We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for, actually now it's more like <laughs> bi-monthly, uh, current event and weekly Bible study for December 15th, 2013. And uh, today, just kind of a general current event study, uh, just trying to keep up with some of the more main current events uh, with the actual emails that we're putting out Uh supplementing it with that as well on both the health and the um, current events. So if you're not on that list, you can go to contendingfortruth.com. It's a free uh, email thing that I send out. Usually send out anywhere from one to three per week on the newsletters. Um, More of the end time current events typically go out than the health newsletters. But that's for free. It's on the right-hand side of the site. There's a little sign-up sheet there. And um, the first report today, this was something that was sent to uh, Steve Quayle, and it was entitled, Church Administrator Telling Me That the Church is Requiring All Home Bible Study Group Leaders to Register with LifeScan Registry, a database maintained by the FBI. So, this is really of no surprise, probably shouldn't be of any surprise to any of us, uh, regarding that they've already got Homeland Security and FEMA yoked up with a large portion of the church through what they call clergy response teams to the 501c3 church. That's where you re- the doors really opened for FEMA, Homeland Security, to come in and say, hey, listen, we need you to yoke up with the government here secretly. They're not doing it like they're advertising this. But it has come out, and I have reported on this before, um, the subject before, either key in 501c3 or uh, FEMA or clergy response in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com where we've talked about this. There's thousands and thousands of churches already yoked up with them. And this is just kind of further evidence of this, the further evidence of the police state and the big brother trying to track us and and um, keep a database of people that are in any type of 501c3 church setting. So the writer says, uh, Steve, I've been following your website and alerts for a while and just thought I'd throw something in the mix who, for any who are interested. My family has been attending a fairly large church, 6,000 plus members in Livermore, California. Now, anytime you get into any kind of membership like that, you know they're 501c3. I mean, the only way you cannot be that is usually typically having a smaller type church and going through. People ask me, well, how do you get out if you're already a church like that? I would go to unregisteredbaptistfellowship.com, unregisteredbaptistfellowship.com, and the Biblical Law Center portion of that website, Barbara Cate, Dr. Greg Dixon, and them, they have a process for getting you out of that system. I think they do it the best of anybody I've ever I've ever seen. I know there's other people out there that say you can do this or you can do that. I think it's the um, best as far as I've seen, as far as being yoked up with the government in, in any way, shape, or form. So anyway, you can do that if you like. Uh, anyway, a fairly large church, 6,000 plus members in Livermore, California for the past seven years. 
Last year, the church started heavily promoting their members to attend small groups or, quote, life groups, which are hosted in members' homes. I, when I was in the charismatic church, I, I led one of these types of groups at a, um, uh, one of the members' homes every week. It wasn't my, it was her apartment and we ended up having 20, 30 people. Um, and that's where I started at, at the end. That's where I started revealing this stuff about the King James Bible that I'd seen. And then some of the stuff and charismania and, um, (laughs) I'm I'm sure the church in the end didn't like me doing that obviously, but I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't go against my convictions. What was what the Lord was showing me? Clearly showing me. Had about ten people come out of that charismatic church. Um, it was a very very radical one, long time ago. But from from what I saw, I, th- I believe every single one of them within about a two year period had went back because it's just so something about charismania is very very appealing to the flesh. And most of them could not resist the temptation, knowing I had shown them so much stuff regarding the atrocities and the abominations going on there. Ultimately, from my from what I learned, I believe every one of them went back. So, anyway, um, goes on to say about four months ago, my my family started hosting a Bible study. With some measured success in budding relationships among members. Last week, out of the blue, I received an email from a church administrator telling me that the church is requiring all group leaders to register with LifeScan Registry, a database maintained by the FBI. <laughs> this is what church should be like, right? I mean, this is what I'm sure, you know, the apostles and Jesus advocated that we need to have this big brother yoked up. Uh, registry, you know, I mean, in the Bible, when, you know, like when David tried to number the people, I mean, God hammered him. I mean, thousands of people ended up dying because he did that. So I'm I'm not thinking God's really, really wild about us doing a lot of, like, the census and all of this garbage and number, and then this is just you know, further evidence of this, this database they're trying to maintain. Anyway, so, um, this new requirement is ostensibly to, quote, maintain a safe environment for members of the church, end of quote. It seems now that the churches are complicit in building a database of Christian leaders. It's one thing to read about it, but it's quite another thing when I'm confronted with this sort of things personally. Uh, kind of brings it home. I'm happy to be attached or submit the original email I received if you're interested. And then Steve Quayle's comment was, this is what happens in communist China where all home churches and Christians have to be registered. If this doesn't make you furious, you're a, walk, you're a walking dead person. This administrator is a traitor to his flock. And then there's an update on this because I researched this a little further, an update from December 2nd which reads, the church that is in reference here in Livermore, California, is called Cornerstone Fellowship. There's even a link here. Yeah, there's even a link here to the church and to their life groups section, so you can verify that. Um, So what is LifeScan Registry? From my search on the net, LifeScan can mean 
LifeScan Inc., which is a Johnson & Johnson company that manufactures and markets blood glucose monitoring systems like OneTouch Ultra for family and diabetics. But another meaning of LifeScan that better fits what is meant by LifeScan registry uh, is actually maintained by the FBI. It's an inkless electronic type of fingerprinting system. The following is from the website Absolute Identity Solutions, which is affiliated with them. Absolute Identity Solutions offers live scan fingerprinting for non-criminal purposes. We offer walk-in services as well as mobile live scan services. Live, live scan, is, um, which is very, very close to life scan, which is what this database is from, live scan is an inkless electronic fingerprinting system. Fingerprints are, are electronically transmitted to the Department of Justice for completion of a criminal record search. Now, remember in the thing it said we want to do this to create a safe environment for your home groups? Okay, because they're going to come out and they're going to have to give a reason and justification. We, we're trying to keep our flock safe. We don't want any riffraff, any three-state killing spree um, mass murder types entering into and I, I'm not saying that couldn't happen okay I'm not saying that's not possible um, I've never heard of this happening though like in a church setting where where you know somebody has, has a home Bible study from a church and then it turns into some unmitigated killing spree I've never seen that uh, but they're doing this. Under the guise of saying, "Listen, we're going to run. We're going to have these life scan, um, inkless electronic fingerprinting. It's going to um, electronically transmit these fingerprints for completion of a criminal record search, so we can we can tell if there's any bad people. What they're really wanting to do it for is to put you into their database. That's the excuse they'll use, though." to search for criminals, so you can keep the riffraff out of your Bible study. The live scan technology replaces the process of, finger, of recording fingerprint patterns through a rolling process using ink, meaning you're not having to, you know, roll the, your hands in ink and then put them on there, and then they're, they're doing that. This does it digi digitally. Digitizing the fingerprint images enables them to be transmitted electronically to the Department of Justice in a matter of seconds. Can you imagine going to your home Bible study and they show up with one of these fingerprint scanner machines and they're scanning? <laughs> I mean, talk about Big Brother for, for, for a Bible study, you know? Um, this is all done in a matter of seconds. So it's live, it's real time. I mean, if you're in any type of whatever with the government, you know, they're going to, we have the biggest prison population in America by far than any place on earth. I mean, they just use any excuse on the planet to throw you in prison here. It's huge, a huge, big business. Um, and so this will just be one more way they can add to their prison population and keep a database on people. And at the appropriate time, they know exactly, you know, okay, what your fingerprints are where you're located. I'm sure they get all of your other information as well. So, you know, it's comforting. It's it's some, some fun stuff here. Um, let's go further here. Um, so this goes to the, to the Department of Justice in a matter of seconds. Now, could you imagine if you were on some type of red flag thing on them and it goes to them and all of a sudden then you've got a SWAT team, you know, at, at your door, busting the door in for your Bible study to try to get this uh, unbelievably horrific um, 
criminal, supposedly, and he had never, never, or he or she had never even done anything wrong, but the government had deemed they had. Instead of um, a day, days required to send hard copy fingerprints to the mail, the Department of Justice receives these in a matter of seconds. So, hey, I think they should have iris scanning, too, in the Bible studies and the fingerprint. Um, maybe some type of, I think there needs to be a blood draw, saliva, um, maybe a punch biopsy of the brain, so they can have a little bit of your brain tissue. I mean, come on, where where does it end? You know, I mean, a urine sample, fecal sample. I mean, let's let's the, the whole nine yards. I mean, to watch, we need to get TSA in there too. They, no, they they need to have the TSA scanners when you walk into the Bible study. Okay, so they know you're not packing packing heat. Okay, so you can go in there, and then you get the urine and the fecal and the punch biopsies and the iris scan and the and the re-verifying of the fingerprints and you know maybe a brain scan something I don't know, and then I think they need to have the FEMA SWAT team standing behind you while you're doing the Bible study to make sure that what you're saying is not in any way, shape, or form construed as hate speech or politically incorrect. Come on. It's the brave new George George Orwellian new world they want us to live in. I mean, it'll never be enough for Satan. This is the thing. Is is you is some people could say, okay, well they're not going to do anything more than this. Oh yes, they will. Satan is never satisfied. He's like a raging fire. Can you ever feed a fire too much? Is is a fire ever satisfied with the amount of wood or fuel you put on it? No. It'll keep consuming and it likes more and more and more. Well, this is how this system is. It's just never going to be satisfied. So, in other words, megachurches like the one cited above in Livermore, California, now require leaders of Bible home study groups to register their fingerprints with the FBI. And, and again, I, I think the fingerprints are just one phase of what they're probably requiring here. They're going to be requiring whatever else personal information. One must ask the question, why? Well, I've already given you that reason, I think. My advice to the man who provided this information is to detach your group from your church and form your own independent private Bible study. I couldn't agree more. Um, 100%. That's what they need to do. Um, and then he's, and then they say, may God be with you. It was, that was from another person that submitted more information on this. So, I've done a study on Romans 13 it's entitled Romans 13, An Unlimited Subservience to the Government. Where should a Bible-believing Christian draw the line? So, if you think that, you know, Romans 13, like the 501c3 corporate, lukewarm, apostate, Laodicean church teaches, that whatever the government tells you is of God, and you must obey it. Okay, well that's the same exact portion of scripture that Hitler when he was rising to power, went to the Christian people, went to the pastors and the priests and these types of people and said, I want you to preach Romans 13 and I want you to misinterpret it uh, and basically to whatever we tell them to do, they have to do it because the Bible says so. The Bible does not say that. The only time that that would even apply is when they were a force for good, when they were doing good, not doing evil. And obviously Hitler was doing pure evil as our government is now with its encroachment and moving us toward this George Orwellian system that they're trying to implement. So anyway, I, I got into that there. You can click on that link 
and I also provide you with the uh, PDF. So let's go on to the next report here. And I might have covered this in previous teachings. I just thought I should cover it again um, briefly. And this one is entitled, The True Meaning of the Word Christmas, or Christ Mass. Now this is from uh, the, um, uh, he passed away, David Meyer, of the uh, Last Trumpet Ministries. He had some, had, and still, it, they still have a really good newsletter. I believe his son's carrying it on. And um, really good information. And um, this is actually, I think, from a track that they put out. And it starts out by saying, They tell us that this is the season to be jolly. It's the time of ornaments, red and green decorations, silver bells, holly, mistletoe, and colored lights. It is the time of department store Santas calling out their universal mantra, Ho, 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 uh, Merry Xmas. And you'll see why I don't even want to say it, really. Nearly in a second, nearly all of the realm of the so-called Christianity join in and repeat this same greeting. Merry Xmas! Anyway, although we hear those words constantly as they resonate millions of times throughout the land, almost nobody understands what they're really saying. Again, this is why the Bible says we're destroyed for lack of knowledge and we're not supposed to be ignorant of Satan's devices, lest he get an advantage of us. Um, it is the purpose of this track to take the words Merry Xmas and Examine the true meaning and essence of what those words really mean. A true Christian would want to examine everything they say, because Jesus said in Matthew twelve thirty six and 37, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Uh, for by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now that doesn't mean, I think, also that you can't go to Jesus Christ as a saved Christian, confess your sins, you know what I mean, and, and, and ask forgiveness for those things, and I hopefully you understand what I'm saying here. So, we will now set aside all of the customs, glitter, and traditions of Christmas, which were taken from pagan witchcraft and popularized by the Roman Catholic Church, uh, and we will focus on the true meanings of the words, Merry Exodus. Now, I, I also give you a link to the teachings I've done on Christmas, um, and a link a little bit later, because I've covered almost all of the facets of, of Christmas, and I've also, um, uh, in several different teachings, I've done that. And I think I've, I've also covered this subject as well. I just wanted to do this since we're, we're really into that time of year right now. The word Mary is simple to define. It unquestionably means to be happy, joyful, lighthearted. The word Mary fits into the ambiance of laughter and frivolity. This word Mary by itself is innocent and innocuous enough, but as we will see, it becomes heinously blasphemous when used with the word Christmas. Here, let it be noted that most people think the word Christmas means the birth of Christ. By definition, it means the death of Christ. It and I will pr prove it by using the World Book of Encyclopedia, Catholic Encyclopedia, and a book, in, uh, the Catholic Encyclopedia, and a book entitled The Mass in Slow Motion. If you're honest, sincere, and discerning Christian, please read on. If not, you might as well stop right here. The World Book Encyclopedia design, defines Christmas as, as the following. Quote, the word Christmas comes from the word Christus Massey. Quote, Christus Massey, which is an early English phrase that means Mass of Christ, like the Catholic Mass. Um, it is interesting to note that the word, now I give you all the, he gives you all the references here at the bottom of this track that I also provided. It is interesting to note that the word Mass, as used by Roman Catholics, has traditionally been rejected by the so-called Protestants, such as Lutherans, 
See, Baptists aren't Protestants, though. They're they're different. Um, if you want to know more about that, read the book The Faithful Baptist Witness by Phil Stringer. And to me, it's not about Baptist versus whatever. It's a really good history lesson on... Um, really the true Christians that came up outside of the Catholic Church, that didn't come out of the Catholic Church. See, that's why they call them Protestants, because they were protesting. They came out of the Catholic Church because they were protesting what was going on in the Catholic Church. Okay, like Martin Luther, which we get the Lutherans and the Presbyterians, and these, they came out of the Catholic Church originally. There is another line, though, that never came out of the Catholic Church. Baptists are part of that, and then you go f- back further, the Waldensians and the Lombards and, and these and the Anabaptists. Um, now, I'm not saying that that means the Baptists are so perfect or whatever now, because I, as far as I can see, all the denominations are pretty much corrupted. And again, there's no Bible for denominations. There's none. There's, there, there, there's no Bible that we can look at and, and say, oh, you know. And again, I read a really good verse about that the other day, and that just drove that home to me. Okay, yeah, I, I found it. Um, again, this is this is a if this isn't a condemnation of the whole denominational system, I don't know what is. It's right here in the New Testament, um, and this is um, the Corinthian, basically the rebuke of Paul to the Corinthians. The first and second Corinthians is kind of a kind of a a, a rebuke type of thing, and he, he's. Um, okay, yeah, verse 10, chapter 1, and I don't want to do, go into this in great depth, but I think it's worth mentioning here, because I did bring up denominations and things of this nature. Now, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you. Well, what are denominations? Divisions. Okay, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. That's why I don't call myself anything but a born-again, Bible-believing Christian. And I know Christians got a bad name. I understand that. But the Bible does say they were first called Christians in Antioch. Okay, in Antioch, it says those that were in Antioch um, were, um, or the, I'm sorry, the Bereans were more noble than those and I believe Thessalonica, because they sought the things out in the Word of God daily. We need to be like Bereans, and we need to study the Word of God, and we need to, you know, here we're seeing that we should not have divisions among ourselves as Christians. There's no Bible for it. Well, who's the author of confusion? Satan. Well, isn't all of these denominations that we have, and... 99.9% 99.9% of them are even worse because they're 501c3 denominations. <laughs> and they have all these hierarchies above them, which you don't have in the the um, the New Testament church. You don't have like, oh, our our um our grand poobah dude is in like Missouri somewhere. He's the president and 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 then they've got all of these hierarchies down in all of these areas where that can be corrupted. No, they were local autonomous independent uh, gatherings of Bible-believing Christians, that's what they were. And, and, I, and I don't believe they... they um, obviously, there was no denominations then, but they were trying, right off the bat, Satan was trying to get everybody in a denominational mode. Why? Because then we're divided. 
He wants to divide the body of Christ. He wants to have all of us infighting and saying, well, my denomination is better than yours, and we know the truth, and you don't, and you're this, and you're that. And, uh, and then not only that, then they're, they're yoked up with the, with the government through not only the 501c3 garbage, but then also when they go to the cemeteries and get brainwashed and all the things, how, how um, the newer modern versions are better, and all of this other garbage that they teach them there. They also teach them, well, yeah, go get your 501c3 tax exempt status and go to the government and get all of your licensing. So you can be a licensed preacher by the state of whatever you're in. And that gives you your power. No, God's the one that should give you your there's no, power. There's no Bible for any of that garbage. Licensing, 501c3, denominations. It's, it's not of God. It's not of God. Well, then it's going to separate you from God in some way, shape, or form. It's going to hinder you. And and sometimes in a gigantically huge way. So then he goes on to say, For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which were of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this was Satan trying to rear his ugly head way back when the church was in its infancy, the first thing it looks like to me that he was trying to do is get everybody divided through denominations. <laughs> now, and it goes on to say, now this I say, that every one of you that saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I am of, uh, and I of Christ, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Well, where, what do you mean? Well, because they were saying, I'm of Paul. He was the one that led me to the Lord, and therefore I'm a follower of Paul. No, 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 no. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You should be. Okay? Or, well, Apollos was the one that led me to the Lord. Therefore, I believe in more of Apollos' his, his doctrine better. And, and this is how denominations got started. Well, what do you mean? Well, look at Martin Luther. Luther, Lutherans... Okay? We have the same exact garbage going on now on a massive scale with literally hundreds of denominations that identify themselves as Christians. Some of them are just flat out cults like Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, Seventh day Adventists. They're just flat out cults. You know? They add to the word of God, but they're all, it's, this is all the denominational satanic garbage to divide us. And then he goes on to say, I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaiasus, lest any of you should say that I baptized in my own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus, beside I know not whether I baptize any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be of none effect. So, again, hopefully you get this, that we're not supposed to say, well, I am of this, or, I mean, God forbid you say, well, I am of, a, I am of uh, Scott John, oh, I don't even want to say that, it makes me cringe. No, 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 I just point people to the Word of God, period, that's it, okay? Uh, I point people to the Lord Jesus Christ, not to any denomination. At all. So, there you go on the whole denominational thing, if you want a little bit of a proof text. And that's just, I'm sure, one of the many that we could provide proof text that there's no um, 
denomination, or there, there's no biblical justification for denominations. Anyway, let's go further. Um, it is interesting to note that the word mass, as used by the Roman Catholics, has traditionally been rejected by the so-called Protestants, such as Lutherans, Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterians, Pentecostals, and so on. The word mass is strictly a Catholic word, and thus so is Christ mass. It would stand to reason that since all these denominations love and embrace Christ mass, that December 25th, now think about this, because all these denominations do, you know, Oh, we're good Baptists. We're going to, you know, whatever. Mayor, keep the Christ in Christmas. <laughs> Just remember, Tammuz is the reason for the season, not Jesus Christ, okay? December 25th is Saturnalia. It's a, it's a Roman pagan holiday that was celebrated originally by Rome, by the Romans, by the pagan Romans, and child sacrifice, orgies, raping of small children, that was the order of the day. The Catholic Church comes along and repackages that holiday, which is the birth date of the sun god Tammuz, is how they build it. The sun god, not the son of God, but see, it was very easy for them at the same time, when they did this, to say, oh, well, you know what? It's Yeah, it's the birthday of the sun god Tammuz, and all the pagans will know that because they've already been celebrating it, but we're going to tell our Christian buddies who who are assimilating into our Roman Catholic horse system, now this was thousands of years ago, we're going to tell them that it's the birthday of the son of God, Jesus Christ. Even though if you read the Bible and you just do any kind of cursory look, he couldn't have been born at that time of the year if you just read the Gospels. He was most likely born like late September, early October. I've done studies on this, and a lot of other people have too. So, it was never the birth of Jesus Christ, ever. It was the birth date of the sun god Tammuz. The whole Christmas thing is just a, a, a blasphemy, from a, a blasphemous gift from the Catholic Church, who deep down despises Jesus Christ who deep down teaches a works-based religion that now currently the only way you can even get to Jesus Christ in the Catholic Church is if you go through Mary, who is now considered the co-redemptrix, meaning you have to go through her and Jesus in order to get saved. But you can't get saved in the Catholic Church. Your, your, your salvation is never sure, ever. It's, 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 it's like a, you know, you better make sure you have last rites and you did this and you did that and you went to catechism and you got whatever, prayed your rosary, went to confession, all of these hoops you have to jump through. And even then, there's no real assurance at all that, 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 that you were saved or whatever. It's just a bunch of garbage. So that's what the Catholic Church is based on. Um, it would stand to reason that since all of, these, all of these denominations love and embrace Christ Mass, and these are mainstream, quote, Christian denominations, Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterians, Lutherans, Pentecostals, okay. Because these denominations love and embrace Christ Mass, that December 25th is the great homecoming day. When all of the Protestants, or all of the other non-Catholic, pseudo-Christian religions, or even Christian denominations, become Catholic for a day. 
It would seem that all the so-called wayward daughters of the Romish, Romish church returned to their mother. See, that's not true, though. He hasn't... He didn't understand how Baptists and Anabaptists and Lombards and Waldensians came up through a separate line that never came out of the Catholic Church. But, I will say this, he's right from the standpoint, even though the Baptists never came out of the Roman Church, they do go back to her, that whore. I just want to clarify that point. So, they return to their mother, the Scarlet Harlot. Thus, all of the so-called um, Protestant churches, and, and again, when I say Protestant, I mean all other Christian denominations, typically, could sing to the Pope that, particular, that popular song, I'll Be Home for Christmas. It makes a good point there. I really hadn't thought about that. As previously stated, the word Mass in a religious usage means death sacrifice. The, and that's literally what it means, death sacrifice. The impact of this fact is horrifying and shocking. For when the millions of people are saying Merry Christmas, and I don't even like saying that word, they are literally saying Merry Death of Christ. See how Satan is, though? Oh, but we don't need to know the devices of Satan. No, we're just majoring on minors and minoring on majors. We don't need to know about the unfruitful works of darkness and reprove them, reprove them like the Bible commands us to do. Oh, who's, who cares if we're being destroyed for lack of knowledge? You know? What does it matter? <laughs> I think it matters a lot to God. Satan's always trying to deceive us and to trick us. This is one of the biggest jokes he's ever... And it's not a joke, but it's one of the biggest tricks, deceptions, he's ever foisted on the, quote, Christian church. In modern times, the impact of this is... Horrified, shocking, they're literally saying, Merry Death of Christ. Furthermore, when that fat man in the red suit laughs, and, the, and you know, old Saint Nick, which is essentially like, <laughs> if you research Saint Nicholas, I mean, that, that, that is one chilling, chilling thing where that devil originates from. I mean, we're talking pure evil. Pure evil. Okay, and he boisterously says, ho, 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 Merry Xmas. He is mocking and laughing at the suffering and bleeding Savior who died for our sins. While he does this while parents place their little children in his waiting satanic arms to hear his false promises of gifts when he says he will give them. Because it's all a lie. Everything about Xmas is based on a lie. Santa, Satan comes down, oh, oh, sorry, yeah, if you just rearrange a couple words, it's Satan, you know. Anyway, it's all based on a lie, every every bit of it. He goes around the world, and one night, and comes down your chimney, well, if you don't have a chimney, well, I, whatever. Comes through some other way. It's, everything about it's based on a lie. Oh, but it's for the kiddies. It's just one more totally blasphemous pagan holiday that really the Catholic Church has given us. Just like Ishtar, Easter, same deal. The false promises of gifts that he says he will give them. Consider what you're saying when you actually say Merry Xmas. And I'm, I'm not using the full word there. It's one thing to say the word Christmas. It's another thing to say put Mary in front of it. <laughs> Mary, death of Christ, you know. 
So what's so amusing about our Savior's painful death? What's so funny about that? Why is Santa laughing? Why are you going along with it? Your words do count, and Satan knows it. And yes, the word mass does mean death sacrifice. And to cement that fact, we will consider the definition of the inventors of the religious application of the word mass. I am looking at page 537 of the Catholic Encyclopedia, which says, quote, In the Christian law, the supreme sacrifice is that of the mass. It goes on to say, quote, the supreme act of worship consists essentially in an offering of a worthy victim to God. The offering made by a proper person as a priest in the destruction of the victim. Please note carefully the word victim of the mass. The Latin word for victim is hostia from which the word host is derived, like the Catholic communion host, I think is what they're getting at here. The Mass, by definition of those who coin the word, is a sacrifice involving a victim. There is no other meaning for the word Mass or Christ Mass, meaning death of Christ. Christ is the victim here. Okay, now, now let, me, let me read this next part. On, on, on page 110 of the book entitled, The Mass in Slow Motion, we find the following words, quote, It's only with the consecration, and I believe they mean the consecration of the communion hosts, and probably the, the Catholic wine, that the sacrifice of the Mass is achieved. I have represented the Mass to you more than once as a kind of ritual dance. So in essence, the Mass is a ceremonial slaying of Jesus Christ over and over again, followed by the eating of his flesh and the drinking of his blood. The mass is the death sacrifice. The host is the victim, in this case, Jesus Christ, who they want it to be. This is the official Roman Catholic doctrine, and Christmas is a word that they invented. Now, this gets back to the whole thing of transubstantiation with the Catholic priests, which means that they believe the priests have the literal power to turn the Catholic host and the wine into the literal body and blood of Jesus Christ. Not figurative, like when we take the Lord's Supper. No. This is the literal. So in other words, being almost cannibalistic of Jesus Christ. Why do you think that when you go into a Catholic church, they've got Christ hanging up there still on the cross? This pitiful looking, Sananda Jesus looking Christ, meaning Sananda Emmanuel is the new age Sananda Michelangelo pictures you see all over the, the churches. That's not what Jesus even looks like. We don't know what he looks like. But the Bible says that there was no beauty in him that we would desire him. Okay? And in all of these things were given to us essentially through Michelangelo and have been perpetuated by New Age circles as one of these ascended masters that will make his big debut. That way everybody will be conditioned for it when he shows up with the Antichrist and the false prophet. He's going to be one of the lesser ascended masters that will show up. And everybody will recognize him because, hey, I've got a picture of this guy on my wall. That's a whole other thing I've discussed many times as well. So, they have to continually portray in the Catholic Church Jesus Christ as this pitiful, weak Savior 
not really even a savior, that has to continually be re-put upon that cross and crucified over and over and over again. He's the victim of the mass. And then you symbolically eat his body, not symbolically, literally eat his, they believe literally eat his body and his blood with the Catholic communion host and the wine because the priest has the power through the power of the Catholic doctrine of transubstantiation to literally change the body and the blood of Jesus Christ into the Catholic communion host and the wine. He has to re- continually and habitually, every time you go to a Catholic Mass, be re-sacrificed. Because it wasn't good enough what he did on the cross. That's not good enough. We have to bring, no, we have to continually do it over and over and over again because this is some kind of pagan, blasphemous, evil thing that the Catholic Church has duped its followers into doing. It's blasphemous. It's evil. Beyond belief. And here, and hence we have the word Christmas. Death of Christ. Uh, hopefully this is kind of driving things home here. So, again, I ask, what is so merry about the pain, bleeding, suffering, and death of Jesus Christ? Satan has done quite a job of getting millions of so-called Christians to blaspheme. What a deceiver he is. Now you know the true meaning of Christmas and the, and the mass of Christ. There is much more to know about this pagan holiday, and we, we will be glad to provide you with plenty of evidence that Jesus was not born on December 25th, and that Christmas is not only a lie, but is actually a witch's sabbat. <coughs> Excuse me. Which, which means a pagan high holy day, essentially. Sabbath. It's like their Sabbath. It's, 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 a, it's a pagan high holy day. Unholy day, really. It's a sabbat called Yule. Remember Yuletide carols? Yeah, I don't know. All paganism. I, I, again, I got into that in, in the teachings that um, I'll reference here in a second. Please contact us at the address below. And for the sake of your soul, flee from idolatry. So I give you their address if you want to write them or go to their website. And then I also give you a link to my website on the teachings I've done on Xmas Exposed. So... We have that information. I give you a link to that track as well that we just read from. Now we're going to switch gears, and I saw this, and, and I wanted to just go over this as well. It, it's entitled "Islamic Jihad." <clears throat> it's not coming; it's here. This is from. This is what it was said by the Oslo uh, Norway police. They said we have lost the city to the Muslims, and here it shows these these demon-possessed devils burning a Norwegian flag. The original email was sent um, and then I um, by a guy named Chris Mayus and he says, Dear Patriots, no need in attempting to be cute and trying to make the point when these conditions as noted herein are just part of a larger nexus cloaking an ideology associated with the progressive Marxist mindset intent on destroying our constitutional republic. Meaning they're letting these people pour into America for that intent, destroying the Constitutional Republic of America. The conditions, and I understand, I know it's moving in that direction, I know it's corrupted, but this is just one more thing they're doing. The conditions you see herein 
will soon, if not already, be visiting, visiting themselves at a city near you in America. And again, you look at what they're doing up in Dearborn, Michigan, and these conditions are already starting to exist up there. Uh, Oslo police say that they've lost control over the city. This mirrors exactly what has been happening throughout Europe and the United Kingdom, as Muslim enclaves become no-go zones for non-Muslims, including the police, fire department, and medical first responders. Pretty bad when you have a country and, and you have a group of devils come in, and there's and then there's certain parts of the city that not even the police, fire department, and medical first responders can even go. Can't even get in there. Um, and here's a link to a story that was posted in November of 2011. European no-go zones in non-Muslim, uh, for non-Muslims are proliferating all across Europe. A devastating CBN report shows that Oslo is already firmly in control of Muslim invaders. Oslo is already firmly in control? Uh, in many parts of the city, the, the Sharia already replaces already applies as the only law of the land. I'm not sure what they mean by Oslo's already firmly controlled Muslim invaders. They're not firmly in control. <laughs> yeah, that what they meant to say is Oslo is in is in control um, of the Mus- of, of, of by the Muslim invaders. So they're they're they've taken over essentially. And many parts of the city the Sharia already Sharia law already replaces and um, replaces their own Norwegian law. I think they tried to translate this article, and they didn't get it right in a lot of places. That's where the local imams reign. Recent police statistics reveal that 100, listen to this statistic. These are police statistics, okay, from Oslo, Norway. Okay, we're talking Scandinavian people here, blonde hair, blue eyes. You you don't associate that typically with Muslims. You know, cold weather... But the thing is, is that's jihad. They want to take over every spot on the planet. And these people, a lot of times, are very kind of laid back, you know? Those types of people are going to be absolute sitting ducks for letting these devils come in and just take over, essentially. Because they're very, you know, typically very liberal, all live and let live, that type of thing. And the... That's like the, the best thing, that's the best mindset you could have with the Muslims. Because if you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile every time. So, recent police statistics reveal that 100% of all rapes in Oslo are committed by non-Western immigrants, a.k.a. Muslims. 100%. And 90% of these victims are Norwegian women, victims that are even declared victims that are even declared to offenders, more precisely racists. Um, in other words, the Muslims are actually saying that the women that they're raping are the offenders. Okay? And they're actually saying they're racist. I guess in order to justify raping them. You can't even possibly understand these demon-possessed devils. You can't possibly understand their mindset. How twisted and darkened 
their thinking processes are. How totally consumed by Satan these devils are. Okay, so let's go further here. Um, this is a... Uh, I wanted to do a little more research on this when I, when I heard this. And here's a, a clip from an article entitled, Islam Encourages Savage Rapes of Non-Muslim Women. Okay, this is what Islam encourages. This is what is in the Quran and their other unholy, ungodly, Satan-filled devil writings. Islam encourages savage rapes of non-Muslim women. So these slime bags go into a country, and once they get a certain level of power in, in wherever they're at, then, then their true colors really start showing. Fellow, and the, the person writing this is 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 um, doing this tongue in cheek. He they say, fellow infidels, Muslim men are taught to be ravenous, violent rapists, because that's how they view us as infidels, because we're non-believer in Islam. Okay, even animals do not do this. Pat Condell is correct. This is cultural jihad. Listen to what he says. Now, this guy thinks an atheist who's saying this. Even an atheist has enough sense to be able to identify how evil these people are. Okay, so I'm gonna let him I'm gonna let him talk in this clip. Okay, so I'm gonna let him talk, Pat Condell, and this video, it's like a five minute video, it's called Name the Poison. Okay, I've been contacted this week by several people in Norway pointing out that the rape figures I used in my last video were misleading, as it was only assault rapes that were carried out exclusively by non-Western immigrants, a category that doesn't include domestic rape or date rape, something the news report didn't make clear, but which I'm happy to make clear now. And what this means is that those women who were attacked and raped in the street by strangers were the victims of non-Western immigrants, with the rapist in the video specifically citing his religion as justification and claiming that his religion entitles him to treat women any way he likes. Can anyone guess what religion that might be? I'll give you a clue. In countries where this religion calls the shots, a woman who's raped is likely to be charged with adultery and thrown in prison. She'll need four male witnesses to prove the charge, when the only male witnesses likely to be available are the rapists themselves. The testimony of women and non-Muslims is not allowed. In this way, by making it virtually impossible for a raped woman to receive justice, the religion of Islam condones and encourages rape. Right now, an Australian woman is suing her own government for giving her inadequate consular advice about what might happen if she reported being raped in the United Arab Emirates. What did happen is that she was charged with adultery and thrown in prison for eight months. She's lucky it didn't happen in Saudi Arabia, or she'd have had a hundred lashes on top of it, or in Iran, where she might have been stoned to death. Now, there are many reasons why the religion of Islam impoverishes Western society, but the main one, in my opinion, is that it degrades and debases women. Except, of course, for left-wing women, who happily degrade and debase themselves defending Islam, like Turkey's defending Christmas. A woman in Islam needs to be covered from head to toe because men are not expected to exhibit any kind of basic self-control. I get a lot of correspondence from angry Muslim males and I've lost count of the number of times I've been told that women, Western women, are asking to be raped because of the way they dress. No other religion teaches people to think like this. 
Recently here in Britain we've had a rash of Muslim gangs pimping and raping young girls in northern England. I do mean Muslim gangs and not Asians, as the media keep reporting. There are no Sikhs or Hindus involved in this, and to call them Asians to avoid naming the real problem is a slander on Hindus and Sikhs. These men do it because they regard non-Muslim women as subhuman trash. And this poison is coming directly from their religion, a religion whose values are dictated and imposed by some of the most narrow-minded, psychotic human beings on this planet. And coming, as I do, from an Irish Catholic background, believe me, that's saying something. And it's not just white Western girls they target. Hindu and Sikh girls get the same treatment because they're not Muslims, so they too are regarded as trash. But nobody wants to name the problem. We keep dancing around it with euphemism and evasion for fear of causing offence. Well then, I'll name it, shall I? It's Islam. That's the problem. Good. I'm glad we've got that cleared up. All over the Islamic world, men are raised from the cradle to believe they have a perfect right to treat women any way they like. In Pakistan, where the Northern England rapists come from, a thousand women a year are murdered in so-called honour killings, and a woman who tries to report a rape is likely to be raped again in the police station. They take the matter so lightly. Now, the fact that we import this mentality at all would be bad enough. But what compounds it, what makes it immeasurably worse is our blind refusal to name the poison at the heart of it, the poison that drives it forward, which is Islam's fundamental view of women as inferior human beings. This is not just unacceptable. It's not just wrong. It's obscene. It's as obscene as any openly racist political platform, and it should be regarded with the same contempt. So why isn't it? Because it's easier for us to filter Islamic misogyny through a convenient multicultural lens that absolves us of all responsibility. It's easier to respect difference and celebrate diversity than it is to grow a backbone. And it's easier to pretend we stand for something and to wear our phony relativist virtue like a pathetic badge of honour than it is to tell the truth and name the poison. It needs to be named. It needs to be shamed. It needs to be confronted and challenged openly, loudly and often, without apology, until it's eliminated forever, for the sake of all humanity. And if we in the West won't do it, then who will? And yes, some Muslims will be offended, because some Muslims are always offended. But they'll be okay when they get used to it. Peace. Now, you know what's sad is you've got a guy that's an atheist doing this, and you would have how many, what's the percentage of churches, let's say in Europe and America, that are going to take a similar stance as this guy? Very, very, very few. It's really a sad, pathetic day when you can have an atheist come on YouTube and eloquently state this and state the obvious. If the church would do its job and rise up, and I mean obviously on multiple, multiple issues, but this is just one of the many, they could push this back. These people do not need to be migrating into any of these westernized countries. That's that's I've gotten to the point where I firmly 100% believe that. I have looked at the rotten, disgusting, evil, vile fruit of Islam. I've done tons of teachings on it, and it is pure evil. 
I'm not talking about the modern Muslim, moderate Muslims that go in there to soften up things and to convince everybody that, oh, we're a religion of peace. Which actually then, by stealth, they're letting the more radical elements in. And then they finally get to a certain position where they have enough numbers. And this is all by design. This is how they operate. Where then they really start imposing and showing their fangs. I'm just saying, this is their game plan. This is jihad. This is Islamic holy war. This is how they wage it. They wage it through deception. They wage it through evil. They wage it through force. These people are evil. They're demon-possessed. And this is just further evidence of that. And, you know, the bottom line is the church should be taking a gigantic, gigantic stand on this. Because these people aren't going away. And the world government is giving them protection. We're giving them unbelievable protection. They're giving them unbelievable protection in Europe. Well, then you could say, why? Because they want to create order out of their new world order out of the chaos that they're bringing. Muslims are their useful idiots in order to achieve this. It's one aspect of it. It's not the only. But it is one. And it's a... It's probably the main religious aspect of any other false religion on the planet. They're the most violent, by far. They do the most evil, I would have to say, by far. Overt evil. The body counts. I mean, every day the people they kill worldwide is just unbelievable. All in the name of this devil pagan moon god, Allah. I'm just stating the obvious here. He was just stating the obvious. With no apologies. At all. I mean, you let these devils move in. And, (laughs) you know, there's going to be such a gigantic price to pay for that. Going back to this report, it says, We cannot allow this to pass without comment. Pass this video along, even to your liberal friends. After all, aren't they... The ones for women's rights. See, this is what I don't understand. I don't understand why women aren't making more noise about this subject. I can't... I mean, when I read this, it's... I mean, I I about kind of unglued yesterday when I was reading this. I have an instinct in me that wants to protect... Things that are, let's say, weaker than 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 myself, and I'm, I don't mean weaker by worse. I mean, as a man, you want to protect children, you want to protect women, you want to protect innocent things. You want to, I mean, if you should have that in you as a man, you want to protect babies and 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 animals, and you know what I mean. And when I see this, it it just makes my blood boil, what they're doing to women. I feel like sometimes that, that, I'm I'm not talking to my listeners, I'm just saying women in general. It's like, I don't understand why there's not, I mean, you have this, the feminist movement, you know, during the 60s and and, and, and all of this, you know, and this is the most, this is the biggest, most overt, in-your-face atrocity against women I've ever seen. And I would think the, even the feminazis would be coming unglued over this despicable, and they would have a right in this case. 
I would be in agreement with them on that subject, obviously, because what they're doing to women. But I, I don't see a whole lot. And I don't. I, I guess it's just a part of the demonic times we live in. People being blinded to evil. Straining at a knot and swallowing a camel, as the Bible says. Majoring on minors and minoring on majors. I mean, this is a major thing. And there's not a lot, there's not a, uh, a, now I'm not saying there's not women out there that are going against this. I'm not saying that. I know there's some some women, that Gabriel lady that Sean Hannity has on, and, and there's other people that were actually Islamic or were brought up around that, and they are making a huge stance against it. And, and my hat's off to them. I just would think this would be something that every woman on the planet would want to rally around. You know? <laughs> I mean, this is this is about as bad as it gets. And so let's go further here. After all... Um, isn't everybody for women's rights? Ask them, these are your liberal friends uh, in this article they're saying. Ask them if they agree with the Muslims who say that Western women are asking to be raped by the way they are dressed. You do not see many straw blonde women in Oslo this, these days. Now, you go over to Scandinavia, you expect to see a lot of blonde hair, blue eyes, right? Scandinavian women... Aryan, Nordic looking type of, you know, this is why Hitler went up there to try to get people into his army because this is, he was trying to create a blonde haired, blonde haired, blue eyed Aryan fifth root race and he believed that they were a lot of the, the purest descendants up there. He didn't go up there to smash, murder, and slaughter everybody. He was trying to get them to fight with him and, and he did that pretty successfully. Anyway. But now, you don't see many straw blonde women in Oslo these days. Many Norwegians now dye their hair dark to not be immediately recognized as a blonde woman. A weak protection against the Muslim rapist gangs. Because if they see you have blonde hair, they know you're not Muslim, typically. And Oh, no, you're fair game. We're going to rape you. These stinking, disgusting, savage, demon-possessed-to-the-toenail devils go around raping. 100% of the rape cases in Oslo now are from these devils. But dyeing their hair at least gives them a little security somehow, since police can hardly protect them anymore. The police say, quote, we have lost the city. How pathetic. Then get it back. I just, I can't even comprehend this. The therapist, Christian Spitznogel was sharply criticized because she uttered what can clearly be seen and proven by statistics. Here's what she said. Muslim men are raping non-Muslim women. Oh, you can't say that, even though they're doing it 100% of the time. You can't state the obvious. Muslim men are raping non-Muslim women. Any woman not dressed compliant to the Quran and not circumcised which is physically mutilated as they do to all their females. The genital mutilation that goes on with the Muslim women. I mean, I, I, I've reported on that many, many times. I can't comprehend that. It is so evil. For those of you that don't know, and you have kids in the room, get them out of the room for a second. I'm just going to tell you what that is. 
or pause this. They take a razor blade, and if you go, and, and I've, I've heard this, you, you go and you have to pay extra for a new razor blade. Because if not, they'll use a dull one, or they'll use one that's been used on other people. It sounds real sterile. And they essentially, they cut off their clitoris. This is Islam. Oh, that makes you a much better woman, evidently, by doing so. So now, you're pleasing to Allah and the Muslim men who are the most debauched, evil, vile devils per capita, I mean, as far as across the board that I've ever seen. Yes, it's okay to rape small girls and have temporary marriages and you know, and we're going to talk about that in a second. And it's okay to uh, to rape boys, too. Just key in the dancing boys of Afghanistan, if you don't believe that, of, the, of their penchant and their propensity toward gay little boy pedophilia, where they make them dress up like little, uh, like women and do dances in front of these drooling bunch of demon-possessed Muslim men in a room. I mean, if you watch that documentary, you see, I mean, it's standing room only in this room. And they're watching some, like, 10-year-old boy dressed up like a woman dance. And they're, I mean, we're talking, we're talking, if you could do that and like that, what, what, why would we expect that they wouldn't be the most debauched evil devils that have ever slithered out from under a rock? Why would that surprise us if they're capable of those things against small children and of what they do to their women? So, any woman not dressed compliant to the Quran and not circumcised physically mutilated at which or circumcised, which to them is the genital mutilation that I just described, that they do to all their females. Anyone who doesn't do this is a whore to Muslim men and may be raped. A fair game. You can rape them, sure. The Quran permits it. They never go by the nation's laws that they infiltrate. They use Sharia law everywhere they go and force others under it as well, and they take over a nation city by city. Thus, they can do as they like and never get arrested under the nation's laws they are in, since they only live under their own law. So the nation cannot arrest them for breaking their laws. You see why I say you cannot let these people into your country? It's not like letting Hindu into your country, or, or and I'm not saying those are good, but the, there's no other religion on the planet that has an agenda like them, that I've been ever able to identify. They murder freely and openly and never worry about being arrested for it. They just claim freedom of religion. They set up their own country, government, courts, laws, etc. inside the country they infiltrate. A country within a country, yet they claim the same borders as the nation does, declaring the entire nation as their own. That is how they have always operated. How nations can be so stupid and suicidal as to allow any of them into their country is just insanity and asking for bloodshed and a coup on their country. Look at all the wonderful things I reported that they were doing in Syria. Raping the women there and, and, and killing 
and dismembering and mutilating and just going out and all the the same garbage that they do in Africa. Meanwhile, Swedish laws prohibiting, quote, hate speech against radical minorities, meaning Muslims, have been vigorously enforced. So they're, they're afforded extra protection. Just like the gays, just like the pro-abortion cloud, crowds, anything evil in this brave new world we're going into will have a special extra, extra protections afforded to them. Swedish laws prohibiting hate speech against racial minorities have been vigorously enforced. There have, for example, been a number of gang rapes of Swedish women by Muslim immigrants. Oh, imagine that! But Swedes must be careful what they say about them. So, they can gang rape all day long to their hearts, their wicked black hearts content. But you better be really careful what you say. On May 25th, Bjorn Borkovist was convicted and sentenced to two months in prison for writing this, quote, I don't think I am alone in feeling sick when reading how Swedish girls are raped by immigrant hordes, end of quote. And they put this guy in prison for two months for writing that one line that was the least of what should have been said about this. This is how unbelievably politically correct it is over there in these Norwegian areas and in Europe now. Well, Satan's giving special protection to his most evil religion. Going further, the German journalist Udo Ufkodi told in a recent interview that in Holland you can now see examples. Now this is Holland. This is another kind of um, you know, European, very, very liberal place. In Holland, you can see examples now of young, unveiled Moroccan women with a so-called smiley. It means, what does that mean? It means that a girl that gets one side of her face cut up from the mouth to the ear, serving as a warning to other Muslim girls who should refuse to wear their veil, their Muslim veil, burqa or hijab or whatever. They cut up, they, they, they take the corner of their mouth and they just cut it right up to their ear. It's called a smiley. These sick, perverted devils. I, I, I was on Before It's News the other night and there was something on there and, and I clicked on it. And essentially what it was, I'm not going to go into great detail. It was, it was, it was, I think our troops monitoring one of these Islamic terrorist outpost places. And it was at night. And these Muslims were running around on this cliff face. And it looked like a lamb to me. They said it was a goat, but it looked like a lamb. Now, you could, it was in thermography. Or not thermography, but the, the heat patterns. They were essentially sodomizing or, or raping a lamb on the side of this mountain. You couldn't, it wasn't like you could see anything in great, but you you could see what they were doing. You could see the heat signatures. And I'm like, and it looked 
the way that they were walking around and kind of interacting with one another, it was almost like this is just as normal as as just peas and carrots and, and apple pie and lemonade to them. You could tell. It was no big deal. It wasn't even like they were ashamed. I mean, we're talking, you know, you need to die. You need to die. Okay? In the Old Testament, bestiality, you were dead. So was homosexuality or bisexuality, whatever. It was it was a death sentence. You were a witch, you were dead. There were a lot of things that were instant, basically, death sentences, if you were caught. That was one of them. Why? Because it defiles the land, literally. It's bringing curses on the land. When you sacrifice little babies, it brings a curse on the land. Their blood cries out, like Abel's blood. You have the homosexuals or the bisexuals committing all of these perverted sex acts, it defiles the land. What did God have to do? Well, he rained down fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities likewise that were like them. It ha- the land had to be purged and cleaned. That's just the way it is. These are the most disgusting, vile, reprobate devils, and yet they have the audacity to act like they're so wonderfully, morally pure and upright when they're doing the most unbelievably despicable sex acts, and they act like, well, since the Quran says we can do that, and then they have the audacity to accuse everyone else of being infidels and vile and unclean and all of this other garbage. I find the hypocrisy in that cult, that devil death cult, beyond anything I can even comprehend. It exceeds any other religion I've ever seen, other than maybe, you know, Catholic Church gives it a run for its money, with the pedophile priesthood and, and, and their... The things that go on there, but still, no, I, I don't. I don't compare anything in mass, in totality, with the just sheer numbers that they have to Islam. These are the most sick, debauched people I've I've ever seen. So these Moroccan women, they could be uh, uh, walking around with these smileys on them. Um. Which, when a girl, it, what it means is a girl gets cut-ups one side of her face from the mouth to ear serving as a warning to other Muslim girls who should refuse to wear the veil. In the Muslim suburb of Corvinaire in France, 77% of the veiled women carry veils reportedly, or wear the veils reportedly, because they're be, of being harassed or molested by Islamic moral patrols. Moral patrols. I love that. Moral. Yeah, they're the more they're the morality police. They're the walking, you know, they're the moral compass of the city. These are the most immoral devils. Yet they call themselves moral patrols. Okay, so back to the uh sorry about that the microphone, the little recorder slipped off there. Um uh going back to this report, the high job which is the Islamic veil, is just not a piece of cloth. It serves as a demarcation line between proper, quote, proper, submissive Muslim women and supposedly whores or un-Islamic women who deserve no respect and are asking for rape. The veil should be more properly viewed as the uniform of the totalitarian movement and a signal to attack those outside the movement. So in other words, anybody who isn't veiled, they're fair game. According to Islam, 
judged in in light of the mufti who said that the women who don't wear a uh, veil are asking for rape, how on earth can the veil be said about choice, about, be said that it's actually a matter of choice? It's re- There's really no choice. Rape, of course, is specifically sanctioned by Islam as one of the fringe benefits of jihad. There are even There is even a procedure for technically making it a social norm. Because Muslim men are allowed multiple wives. Thus, the women to be raped are considered to be serially, temporarily married to the rapist. And then immediately divorced as a consequence of being the spoils of jihad. This is all as a consequence of being the spoils of jihad. Also, slave girls are specifically set aside as available for the pleasure of the, quote, jihad warrior. This is going on today, right now in Sudan and many, many other places. The Islamic Legal Manual, which carries the endorsement of Al-Azhar University, which is the most respected authority in Sunni Islam, stipulates, quote, when a child or a woman is taken captive, they become slaves by the fact of capture, and the woman's previous marriage is immediately annulled. So, in other words, if an Islamic devil were to capture your wife, in their eyes, your marriage, you could be married to your wife for, whatever, 10, 20, 30 years. That marriage is immediately annulled. So he can have his way with her. It's, it's, it's immediately, you're immediately divorced from that person. Why? So they are free to then become the concubines of their captors. The Quran permits Muslim men to have intercourse with their wives and their slave girls. They take you as slave, you become their wife. Your marriage to whoever you're married to is immediately annulled, and then they're married to you temporarily um, until they rape you and then they divorce you. For, um, that's what it says. That's, that's exactly what they um, believe. Forbidden, and this is from the Quran, Surah 4, 23 through 24 says, Forbidden to you are, um, forbidden to you are married women except those of whom you own as slaves. So in other words, married women are forbidden to a, um, Islamic person, devil, unless they're your slaves. So if they took you, if they captured you, now this is how they justify, I think, the rapes. They capture a woman off the street, a Norwegian woman, and because they, these devils have no self-control whatsoever, and they blame the women because they're supposedly de- dressed provocatively, they blame the women for that, that gives them the excuse to rape them. Once they capture them, well, then they're now my slave. Well, now I'm, I have a temporary marriage. I can go rape you if you are married. That, that um, marriage is over. And then when I'm done and through with you, you piece of trash, as they would view them, you un you un Islamic unholy whatever thing that they view you as, then they divorce you and they leave you there in the gutter to think things over. Many many times I'm sure impregnated with their um, with their babies. I'm just saying this is what they do. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to try to make this this. Um, I'm not going to try to. Um, Sugar-coated, or, 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 or this is exactly what's going on. And we're supposed to respect such an abomination of a system, which is functioning today based on the example of Muhammad himself? 
as some kind of legitimate religion? This is the person writing the article saying this. Now, that got me thinking, and I wanted to bring this up, because it says this whole religion, this whole devil death cult, is based on the example of Muhammad himself. The Islamic Quran states in Bukhari 762.88, quote, the prophet Muhammad wrote the marriage contract with Aisha while she was six years old and consummated his marriage with her when she was nine years old. And she remained with him nine years until he died. Praise God. And I mean that about his death. So he married her when she was six. And they admit to that. This is, this is in Islamic, this is in the Quran. They're not trying to hide this. Muhammad is the ultimate example. For anyone that, that follows Islam. The pedophile Muhammad took a six-year-old girl, married her. Supposedly consummated the marriage when she was nine. I don't believe that. Be like Saint Saint. Now, be real honest with me. Did you really, you know, you yeah, you married her when she was six, but we can't say that you consummated the marriage when she was six. Got to wait until at least when she was nine. I don't believe any of that. Muslims take this seriously and imitate Muhammad in this. Article one zero four one of the Civil Code of the Islamic Republic of Iran states that girls can be engaged before the age of nine and married at nine. Now I know they do it even earlier than that, and they rape girls way earlier than that as well. But this is what they're openly admitting to in their own laws. The Ayatollah Khomeini, that devil from the pit of hell, married himself married a ten year old girl when he was twenty eight. Khomeini called the marriage to a pre prepubescent girl a, quote, divine blessing and advised the faithful and advised the faithful, quote, here, here's what Devil Tola Khomeini said, do your best to ensure that your daughters do not see their first blood in your house. You know what that means, right? That she doesn't start menstruating in your own house. In other words, marry them off to some lecherous, sick, pedophile Muslim before they have their first period. Okay, so this is the same devil, that, and you've heard me tell the story, and, and I mean, you know, about Ayatollah Khomeini going into some one of the believers' houses. And, and this, was, this was openly admitted to, bragged about, oh, that this was a wonderful thing. And he had, I think, a three-year-old daughter, and um, uh, he came into his house, saw the three-year-old daughter, told the man of the house, who was a devout Muslim, follower of Khomeini, said, you know, I want to be with your daughter, I want to have a temporary marriage with your three-year-old for the night. And the, the, the guy was just brimming with pride, evidently, over being able to uh, have this lecherous maggot from the pit of hell um, defile his daughter for the night. Now, at this point, I believe he was way, uh, way up more in age, too. He was way, he was like in his, I think, 50s, if I recall the story right. And, um, yeah, raped, brutally, brutally raped her the whole night, could hear her screaming in the next room the whole night, and had his way with her. And then the next morning, you know, comes out, has his, um, Islamic pancakes and, and, uh, or whatever they eat, and his bowl of bran flakes, and, uh, Basically, you know, everything's hunky-dory, and, and he goes his merry way. He had his temporary marriage, had the divorce by morning, 
And, um, you know, the, uh, I guess the dad was happy. Who, they all need to just die. As far as I'm concerned. You forfeited your right to live. You need to die. It would be much better that you be in hell burning forever than you're on this planet doing this level of wickedness. And this is why the Bible says in Psalm 64, you know, but God shall shoot at them with an arrow and suddenly they shall be wounded and, and all men shall see them and shall see in fear and shall declare the work of God for they shall wisely consider of his doing and the righteous shall be glad in the Lord and trust in him and all the upright in heart will glory. See, when God judges wickedness, good things always happen is the moral of Psalm 64. And I've done a whole teaching on that. Just key in Psalm in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. But when God rains down his fury and snuffs out these wicked devils, it, it good things always happen. You purge iniquity. You purge evil off the planet. These people cannot be redeemed. I've never heard stories of pedophiles coming and saying, yeah, I got gloriously saved after I was brutally raping little boys. and I, I just don't see those. Te- I think there's a certain line you cross, and it's, it's, it's you know, you're, it's over. And then there's some people that are just purely born evil. The Bible says the wicked go astray from the womb. They speak lies as soon as they be born. There are, in Hebrews, it says they're vessels of wrath fitted, which means prepared ahead of time for God's destruction. They're, they're, unre- they're, they're incapable of being redeemed. Now, I understand that's between them and God, and we're not to go around judging. But I'm telling you, there are certain fruits where you, as a Christian, can judge things and know if a person is capable of being saved. And I would have to say pedophilia would fall into the realm this type, this level of evil would fall into the realm of, there's no way. These people are just vessels of wrath, fitted, prepared ahead of time for God's destruction. And I'm not saying go around killing people, I'm just saying that, you know, I, I, no, I wouldn't say don't pray for their destruction. Or is it better that they go around and rape little ones and defile them? Hopefully, you know, it's pretty obvious what the answer is there. Walid al-Kubasi is a Norwegian journalist and is a native of Iraq and a Muslim. Now, here is a Muslim who is now a Norwegian journalist. Here's what he says. Here, you got to listen. This is just unbelievable, his quote that he says. Norway is basically gone. Now, the police have even admitted this. It's now a Muslim nation, which makes more than half the world under Sharia law now. Half the world. Now, I don't know if that's accurate or not. But you look at Africa, you look at the Middle East, now you look at what's going on in Europe, he's probably got a pretty good point there. But this is what happens when you allow Muslims into your borders. This is what they have done for centuries. Yet no one seems to ever learn, except Japan, who does not allow Muslims into their country, the only wise ones on the planet, with an exclamation point. Here is a Muslim saying that about his own religion. He's saying Japan's wise because they don't allow them in. 
I mean, you know, it's pretty bad when, when you got a guy saying that stuff. Now, I understand. Our, our primary battle is on our knees in prayer. But this is something, obviously, to pray about. Only a few months ago, terrorist groups answer al-Sunni has threatened with terrorist attacks in an open letter and explains, quote, we do not want to be part of the Norwegian society. Now, this is a terrorist group in Norway that's already been taken over. They say, we don't want to be a part of the Norwegian society. We do not want to live with filthy creatures like you, end of quote. These disgusting, vile devils have the audacity to call the Norwegian people filthy creatures when they are going around doing the things that I cited in this unapologetically over and over and over and over to little girls, little boys, women, non-Muslims, but it's okay because they're they're the real holy men of the world, right? They're 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 the morality police. It's like calling Satan. You know, if you saw Satan walking around with a whole bunch of fallen angels, it, it, it'd be like calling them the morality police. But that's what they fancy themselves as. So they don't want, want to live with filthy creatures like us. Who that's how they view us. As infidels. I view them as, as nothing but a pagan devil infidel as well. They're evil. I mean, an infidel is typically somebody who's departed from the faith, but... They call for an Islamic state where Sharia is law, although less than 10% of the Norwegian population are Muslims. It's pretty bad when 10%, they get to be 10% and they say, we own the country now. Your country's gone. The police say we've lost the country. Over what, 10% of the people? Well, there's still 90% of you. Where's your backbone? Where are the men? (laughs) Got news for you. I die for my daughter, and I die protecting her. I don't care, you know, but these dudes come for her? <laughs> ah, I gladly die. No problem before I let that happen. I don't understand where the men are. I don't understand where the men are. I'm not saying this to my listeners, I'm just saying in general. I I can't even comprehend this. So they're only 10% of the Norwegian population right now. How will things be when they reach 20% or more? That's how um, this report ends. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine... Uh, I don't know. Sick, sick, sick garbage. But I can't not report on this. I can't not say anything about this. I've done several teachings exposing this death cult. I give you uh, a couple of them here. Islamic Muslim Agenda and Debauchery Exposed, Parts 1 and 2. And then also, 
Muslim Islamic religion hypocrisy exposed parts one and two. But those are just a couple. I've done so many on this subject. And unfortunately, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And um, But again, we're in the end times. We should expect these things. But again, we fight. We fight on our knees. We fight through exposing and reproving the unfruitful works of darkness and having a fellowship with them. We try to help other people so that they're not destroyed for lack of knowledge. You know, that people aren't ignorant of Satan's devices lest they get an advantage of them. Helping, the, the most important thing, getting people getting saved, obviously, is the main thing. But, Anyway, um, that's, uh, I'm way, way over time for part one. I apologize for people trying to record this on CD. It just kind of worked out that way. And uh, I'm going to go end part one here, and we'll go to part two next. And God bless you.